One of the defining marks of being a Christian is how we respond to hatred. We see an example in the Gospel today. The historical context of this Gospel is important. St. Luke tells us that Jesus resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. It's in Jerusalem where Christ will undergo his passion, death, and resurrection, the culmination of his salvific mission. As he and the apostles journey, they enter a Samaritan village. Now, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. Their hatred dates back over 2,000 years when Israel was divided into a northern and southern kingdom. And this division also led to a split in religious practice. So the Samaritans did not accept the temple in Jerusalem. So they built their own temple for worship. And so any Jew that was journeying to Jerusalem through a a Samaritan village certainly would not have been welcomed. That's what we see in the gospel today. They're not welcome as they're journeying through that Samaritan village. So this explains why James and John ask Jesus if he wants them to call down fire from heaven to consume them. James and John want to punish their enemies. They want to take them out. But note how Jesus responds. Jesus does not condone James and John's desire to return hatred for hatred. Rather, Jesus rebukes them. I mean, could you imagine Jesus looking at James and John and saying, seriously, guys? Like, I've been with you all this time and you want to call down fire from heaven to consume your enemies? So Jesus just continues to lead them forward quietly on their journey. One of the defining marks of being a disciple of Jesus, what Jesus teaches in this gospel, is how we respond to hatred. I think this gospel is very timely, particularly in light of the Supreme Court's decision on Friday to overturn Roe versus Wade, the decision that legalized abortion in our country. Now the decision is being returned to the states. Now I'm not a legal scholar, but I know many legal scholars on both sides of the aisle argued that that's the way it should have been from the beginning. Now, prior to this decision, there were certain groups in this country warning that they would protest, which certainly is acceptable in our country to protest, but there were warnings about even violent protests or vandalism against churches and crisis pregnancy centers if the decision was overturned. Now, dioceses throughout the country sent out memos. I got a memo as a pastor. Pastors got memos. You know, just alerting us to the possibility that, look, there could be protests in your churches. This, these things could be happening. Now, I pray, we should all pray that certainly that there's no violence, no vandalism or anything like that. We should pray that that doesn't happen, although it could. You know, just this past week, by the way, uh, on our church property, uh, on the north side of the church in the lawn, uh, we saw uh, evidence of some occult activity. If you're familiar with the occult, uh, we know that people involved in the occult can uh, put curses against churches, right? 
we saw clear evidence of that. Somebody had made a, a very visible circle of stones with a dead animal next to the stones, a little dead animal. Uh, it was not just a child playing around, right? If you know what happens in the occult, there are animal sacrifices. There are things like this that happen, okay? So this was clear evidence that somebody wanted to curse our church, right? So I called Father Paul Damaris. He's an expert in these issues. Father Paul came down the other day. He prayed prayers of protection and deliverance for our parish. In his experience, what he saw, I showed him pictures. He said, it was somebody was cursing your church so that the gospel will not go forth that the gospel will not leave your church, right? My point is, there are people who hate the church. It happens. There are people who dislike Catholics. So the question remains, how are we called to respond to hatred? Well, St. Paul answers that question in the second reading today. St. Paul writes, the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So our response as Christians to hatred is always love. Only love. Now, of course, as Christians, we need to stand up for the truth. We need to speak the truth, always in love. We are called by Jesus to ardently defend the most innocent in society, the most vulnerable in society, particularly the unborn child. We need to be passionately pro-life, but we need to be compassionately pro-life. Whatever the response is from those who disagree with us, who are pro-abortion, who disdain the church for that view, Christ always calls us to respond in love. Always in love. In truth, the only way a person might even be persuaded to reconsider their views on issues that they disagree with us with is if we are loving towards them. We're certainly not going to persuade anybody by hatred. Certainly not going to persuade anybody by anger or, re or retaliation. It would serve us well to remember the words of Abraham Lincoln in his second inaugural address. Malice towards none. Charity for all. As disciples of Christ, we should never respond by wanting to call down the fire of retaliation or retribution, as James and John wanted to. Jesus makes it clear that the only fire that we are ever to call upon is the fire of God's love. And so we call upon that fire of God's love today. We call upon the fire of God's love to fill our hearts so that we can spread his love to others. We call upon the fire of his love to touch the hearts of all those who may hate us, all those who may disdain us or disagree, all those who may not understand, who may not see the, the beauty 
the dignity of every human life from conception until natural death. We pray that the fire of Christ's love will consume our hearts and banish any hatred from our hearts so that our hearts as Christian disciples will only be filled with love, will only be filled with love for each and every person we encounter, particularly those who disagree with us and even those who hate us.